Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. Today, we will be in Psalm 105, and we're going to start in verse 16. And I want to talk today about a subject that is inescapable sometime, someplace within your Christian journey. You're going to go through this, and I want to talk about the test of the Lord. Praise God. Psalm 105, we'll begin today in verse 16, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, that the entrance of your word brings light, understanding of what we should do, how we should behave, and what our response should be. So, Father, as we study your word today, help us to know how to get through these exams, these spiritual exam times. We give you praise. We thank you that all of heaven is pulling for us to get promoted to the next level with a really good passing grade. So, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And around the world, everybody who's anticipating passing the exam, say amen. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Okay. Now, verse 16. Moreover, he, he would be God. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. Well, I know sometimes we don't like to see God in that sense of being behind some of these disasters. But my friends, there are some ways in which some people only learn things through very difficult experiences. Now, that should not be our portion But God is going to use this famine for a divine purpose. But these famines also, of course, can be very humbling. And you see that whenever there's drought conditions or no rain, suddenly very ungodly men and women, uh, their attention seems to be caught because they realize they have a, a problem that's bigger sometimes than what they can solve. And God can work through natural disasters to certainly get people's attention, to wake them up out of their wickedness and their drunken spiritual stupor. And perhaps, just perhaps, in moments like that, they may turn to God. If things went well for them all the time, they may never even think about God once in their lifetime. And if they did, it would just be in a religious-type sense, a dead intellectual religious sense. But God can work through all types of things to bring people to him. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them. God always has a solution for every problem, for every dilemma that you could face personally or that the human race would ever face. He sent a man before them. Joseph, say that today, say his name, Joseph. Mm-mm who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Well, he's now been sold as a slave. And all of that upbringing, all of that training that his father, Jacob, had sown into him through very selective teaching. And uh, you have to understand that Joseph was a bookworm. He was prepped to learn Things to, you know, while the other brothers uh, who would also become the patriarchs, the 12 patriarchs, while they're out doing other types of things, Joseph 
in many ways did not have that luxury to run around and and uh, have that much liberty. And maybe in some ways you could say he was favored by his father. But I think sometimes we have to look at that from the right balance. Maybe you could say a child was favored over the other sons or daughters, but sometimes because of destiny, that has to be the case. And Joseph was the one that was going to go through some very, very difficult things. Now, he and his father certainly didn't foresee that. They didn't foresee, you know, being falsely put in the prison or being sold into slavery. But all of that seed sown has the potential one day to break forth in this harvest of understanding of being the great person that God has planned him to be. And it doesn't mean that the other kids perhaps are being neglected. It just means, it means in this situation that Joseph is going to need some special attention because he's going to go through some things that are going to place a demand upon his life that the others will not really have to experience. So uh, that's something sometimes we might say, well, uh, th that child didn't get the attention they deserve. Well, in some ways, maybe they didn't really need it. Maybe there's something inherent that God put in that child, but they don't need all of that uh, warmth and all of that uh, jovial family, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, warm fuzzies and all of that. And some kids uh, turn out just fine. They turn out exceptional and everybody's different. Everybody's different. You have, might have another child that needs a little bit more of that or needs a whole lot of that. So the mom or dad has to maybe pour a little bit more sugar on in that area. But these are things that are uh, things that only God can plan out and only God can orchestrate. And we have to just go to a certain degree. We just go with that flow. Now, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. So uh, this is not like a romanticized prison version where he's in prison, but he's discouraged or despondent. But, you know, he's got plenty of food and he's got people around him telling jokes and they're having fun. No, this is not fun. This is not good. He's in prison, uh, and he's got the fetters on. He's got the irons on. Not good. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Well, we know from study that it appears that Joseph was in prison, falsely charged, falsely put there, but nevertheless, he's there, can't get out, and he sat there in that prison for 13 years. Now, when I say he sat there, uh, that's maybe not the best way to say that. He was very busy. <laughs> he's going to end up supervising the prison in some ways, like running the prison, uh, the warden's over it, you know, but he's going to do a, a lot of that work and all that administrative work and overseeing things so that everything goes really smooth for the prison uh, and everybody in there. But my friends, nevertheless, it was a very difficult trying time. And the bottom line is, no matter how nice we try to serve it up, it's still prison. And uh, you can imagine the prisons back then, an Egyptian prison going back several thousand years, no air conditioning. Uh, no refrigeration, and uh, sweat, and hard forced labor. Wow, very, very difficult. And it says, 
that these events were rolling on, these, th- this imprisonment, uh, the, you know, all the difficulties associated with that, all of the humiliation, until the time that his word came to pass. Now, his word, his word, your word, I'm sure you have a word too. <laughs> and it, it may not be that the sun and moon are going to bow down to you and all the stars also are going to bow down to you, you know, symbolizing God's uh, plan for regality in his life and so forth. But my friends, you still have a word and the, the devil, he's not so much going to attack you in areas where he's going to challenge your faith in what we would call maybe basic biblical doctrine. Now, there are some people out there uh, that maybe would be theologians or maybe sometimes we could call them biblical scholars, and it is true that in many leading seminaries and even many uh, Christian universities, some of these so-called scholars are not even born again. They don't believe in the virgin birth. They do not believe that Jesus really was the Son of God. They, don't, they certainly don't believe other things in the Bible like the Red Sea being split in half and the children of Israel going through on dry ground. They don't believe anything like that. So basically anything miraculous, they don't believe. But what I'm trying to say here is that for you as a believer, it's not like the devil's going to really mess with you on that. It's not like he's going to spend all of his time challenging you, testing you on something like, was Jonah really swallowed by a large fish? I mean, was it a whale or did it ever happen? Or He's not going to mess with you on that. He's not concerned about that. Now, I know you believe that's true because it's in the Bible. We believe that. But he's not really going to try to get you to start doubting that. He's not going to try to get you really to doubt the fact that Joshua prayed and asked God to give him some more time and the sun just uh, kept its place, as it always does, but the earth stopped moving <laughs> and didn't rotate, and it just stopped. <laughs> However, God did that, and he gave, gave Joshua time to continue the fight. And uh, these supernatural events that are in the Bible, once you're a believer, you, you, you believe it. And uh, it's up to the skeptics and doubters and the powders and the do-withouters. They can do without the blessings, of course, too. And for many of them, if they're doubting that much, they're they're probably going to do without salvation. But, my friends, I'm talking to the faithful. I'm talking to you, the believers. And the test for you is not going to come in the area of some theological question that, you know, doesn't really concern you. That test is going to come in that area of the word that pertains to God's specific plan for your life, not your brothers. Okay, not this is not about Joseph's brothers. This is all about Joseph and the word to him. They all the others have got some good stuff coming. Judah's got some real good stuff coming. They've all got good stuff coming, <laughs> right? But this concerns the word to Joseph, and there is a word that God gave to you. And that word is where the test will come. Absolutely on that. Woo! Praise God. And so you're going to have to really uh, hold on to that word because there will come a test. And you're, you're just going to have to understand this. There's no way in the world Satan and his legions of darkness are going to let any 
believer get any true word from God and sit back and just let it unfold nice and beautifully and big and easy. Not a chance in the world. Any true word from God into the life of one of his children is going to be tested. You can just take that to the bank and you're going to have to stand on the original word that God spoke. You're going to have to stand on that vision upon that revelation that the Lord gave to you, and you're going to have to hold on because there can be some challenges that will come that will make it look like it's never going to happen, and you're going to have to learn how to persevere, just like Joseph did in a long-term test, exam, that really, really tried. I mean, that word was trying him like you wouldn't believe as he was there in prison thinking, how? How am I ever going to get out of this and reach my fulfillment of what God told me I'm supposed to do in life? I'm sitting here dying in a prison. This is the last place I thought I would be. And he's probably thinking, hmm, and the devil. You can only imagine what the devil's doing. Hurling thoughts, hurling suggestions into his mind. Oh, oh yeah, you're going to die in here. Yep doesn't matter if you were put in here falsely. You're never going to get out. You're going to die in here. You're never going to see your dad or your, or your mom ever again. You're never going to see anybody, anybody of your loved ones ever again. You're going to die in this horrible, wretched prison. And so you can only imagine the mental bombardment that was going against his mind. But my friends, he made it through it. Was it easy? I'm sure it wasn't. And I can't promise that uh, it's going to be easy for you either. But I will tell you this, that if you'll just hold on to that word and never give up on it, there will come the time when you'll see it come to pass, even if it's against all odds, uh, all uh, what we would call probabilities. God can override all of those things, and he can still do it for you. But my friends, as it says, the word of the Lord tested him, and the word that you have received is going to test you also. It's going to find out. God's going to find out. Do you really believe what he said? Oh, yes, I'm persuaded, Pastor Stephen. Yes, I am. Good. We'll find out if you're persuaded two weeks from now, two years from now. Hopefully, hopefully it won't go that long. This was a very extreme case. But you also understand he had an extreme, very unusual destiny. There's a lot on the line here, <laughs> right? God sent a man. That man had to be so prepared. That man had to be so ready for that moment. That man had to be brilliant. That man had to have courage. The nation is falling apart. People are dying all over the place. He had to be handpicked, hand-selected, hand-prepped by God and prepared by God so that when he stands in that position, a deliverer is now standing before the people. Not a blubberer, not a blabberer. Hey, let's try this. We don't know if it'll work, but let's just throw something against the wall and see what sticks. No, <laughs> no, no, we need somebody that can hold it together because nations are going under. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Any word any true word from God, it's not that it might be tested. It will be tested. Praise the Lord. Some of you are probably familiar with the 
businessman turned preacher, Mr. Norval Hayes, who passed away some years back. A couple of years ago, he graduated on to heaven. One of the best Bible teachers, when you're just talking about somebody that can teach and, you know, help you understand God's word, uh, you know, so that you could walk into it. He was one of the best Bible teachers, probably, I'm not saying the best. I would put him up there as one of the all-time greatest Bible teachers ever to walk on the planet Earth when it comes to just taking the simplicity of the gospel and of the Word of God and putting it to use in your life and getting biblical results. He was really, really good at that. But see, he was also, Norville was also a businessman. And when the Lord pulled him over into ministry, the Lord allowed him to continue with the various businesses uh, that he had. He had 11 businesses, different types, restaurants and other types of things going on. And so he's doing very good ministry, and he's also overseeing the various, uh, you know, profit-making businesses that he has. But one day he got a word from Prophet Kenneth Hagin, and Prophet Hagin said, um, Brother Norville, the Lord has told me that you're going to go into a season of testing and that the word that God has given you is going to be tested. So get ready because the enemy is going to endeavor to get you to doubt the word of the Lord. And so um, Norville uh, said, hmm, I wonder what that's all about. You know, he thought to himself, I wonder what that means. I wonder what's going to happen. So he just keeps on doing his thing, uh, preaching and working, overseeing his businesses. And it wasn't long before he realized the enemy was really working against him. And he found out, for example, like, like one of his restaurants, for instance, the general overseer, the general manager of his restaurant was stealing money. And uh, he was able to uncover this. But it's like suddenly all across his business spectrum, trouble and tests begin to erupt everywhere. And where before that, everything ran smooth. And sure, maybe you have a little challenge here or there, but you work it out. But suddenly, it seemed like supernatural trouble, supernatural, goofy, uh, stupid things would pop up and just cause all kinds of problems. And this went on for five years. But after five years, Kenneth Hagin had another word from the Lord, basically, and the word was for uh, Norval Hayes that the test is over. He has passed my test. And uh, that was a great word that Norval received from Prophet Kenneth Hagin. And along with that word, you have passed my test, also came a prophecy in which uh, Kenneth Hagin prophesied, Norval, the Lord is really going to begin to lift you up to a much greater level of financial wealth. And it happened. Uh, it's, it just ended. The test was over with, and uh, provision uh, began to pour in, everything that began to smooth out, and he was a man of great wealth. Praise the Lord. But my friends, these areas of testing can come in certain parts of your life. Let's say like healing for a moment. You, you find, let's say you're sick, and you find a scripture that just jumps off the page would appear to jump off the page or something that just grabs you and you know that's God's word for you. Maybe even God spoke it to you by the Holy Spirit, a certain verse about, about healing and about health, which is rightfully yours in the new covenant. And you take that to heart and you say, this scripture is going to get me up off this bit of sickness. And it will. When you stand and believe it, 
But don't think the devil's not going to challenge you on that. And he will endeavor to try to get you to doubt the word. He'll, he'll suggest thoughts to you, uh, thoughts like this. Well, there you are trying to believe what God said, but look at your symptoms. They've gotten even worse. Can't you see it's not working? You're going to die of that sickness. And, and the enemy, he will just suggest all these lies. But that word, that word will, will shake you. It'll, it'll shake out and filter out a doubt and unbelief. It'll filter out uh, wrong voices. And when it's done, you can stand forth as pure gold with that word having proven to be true. But you're going to have to stand on it through thick and thin. Here's one also that you'll have to get through. The enemy often can really work like, like in a crazy way, sometimes through relatives, family members that maybe even have good intentions, but nevertheless, they have no clue they're actually being used as uh, unwilling vessels, un unknowing vessels of Satan, of the enemy to try to bring discouragement, to try to bring doubt. Maybe they're trying to bring sympathy, but that's not what you need. Like just, I don't need to be told, well, just, just go ahead and suffer with grace and go on a home to heaven. You know, no, no, I don't need to be told that. I need to be told that by his stripes, I was healed. <laughs> and if you can't agree with me on that, and you're trying to talk me out of it, and just pat me on the back and, you know, send me on to the grave, uh, that, then, you, you know, go visit somebody else. So uh, sometimes those that have good intentions, they can really uh, do some uh, undermining. So you have to really watch that. You have to guard your heart. And, you, and that word... You know, that word will just refine and it will purify. And suddenly you're seeing uh, uh, how so many others uh, compromise in certain areas. And you're just like, God, I'm going to hold on. Because I believe that if I stick with you and stick with your word, when it's all said and done, uh, we're going to come out on the top. Hallelujah. And just keep holding on while that word is testing. Even if you're still like Joseph in the midst of a situation like prison that you would rather not be in. Just say, God, you have given me your word. I have had a dream from you. That's what happened to Joseph. That's how he got his word. I have had multiple dreams from you that I know came from you. And this is not going to be the final say. Your word is the final say. And I don't know how you're going to do this, but somehow or another, my time's coming when I'm going to get out of here. Mm -hmm. But in the interim, he's learning fluent Egyptian. In the interim, he's learning the culture of the Egyptians, because even when you're down below as a slave in prison, you still pick up, you know, cultural type things and so forth. Very, very interesting. Plus he has all of that knowledge of, of math and uh, literature that his father has uh, taken extra special time in working with him to pour into him, to prepare him. Mm -mm. So my friends, you have to really hold on. I think in many areas where it, any area where you get a promise, there can be these great tests. In the area of ministry, let's say that you get a calling to ministry, and you know God's called you. Well, the enemy is going to try to circumvent that, and he'll try it quickly, especially, especially if he sees that the ministry, maybe you're already responding to it, and you're up and moving in it, and then God gives a new word, which is, I, I'm now taking you from, let's say, for example, from 
local ministry or maybe a regional type ministry to an international type level of ministry. Oh, the devil's going to jump all over that. He's going to really try to get you to doubt that word. And often he'll swoop in just like a vulture to try to steal the seed and eat the seed so that you're left there wondering what happened. But you have to hold to the word and you have to really fight, especially during times like that. And the enemy will do things. I've had, uh, I've had, uh, you know, because I've spoken in so many different churches and different conferences and things like that over the years. I've had many times, particularly uh, in the early going of itinerant or nonstop traveling type ministry, where a lot of very discouraging things happened that the enemy was working through and gave me ample opportunity to say, you know what, I, I just don't see how I can get ahead and stuff like this. Uh, I've had I've had many good pastors give me very gracious offerings. I have also had quite a few pastors that have literally stolen and I and I say that 100% accurately. They have completely stolen the offering. I've had pastors stand before the audience, before the congregation and say we have uh, you know brother Stephen with us. He has, uh, he has ministered in a very beautiful way to us, and now we're going to receive a special offering for his ministry. And every, watch this, I've heard them say every dime, every penny, every dollar of this offering will go to his ministry, will go to him. And I didn't get, a, I didn't get any of it. I didn't get any of it. They kept all of it for themselves. You think, Pastor Stephen, that's awful. Yeah, it's, it's flat out lying. And uh, you think, how, how does a pastor, how does a how does a ministry even function when they're doing stuff like that? Some of those pastors have died. And I'm not saying they died because they did it to me. They, they, were, they would do it to, to anybody. They were that crooked. <laughs> Yet, some of them, some of them had, you know, pretty good-sized churches and so forth. But, you know, it eventually caught up with them. If you keep sowing and sowing, you know, you know which is theft, you're going you're gonna to reap. And if you don't get that right... Um, yeah, it could, uh, it could end your life prematurely. I had one pastor that was really nasty to me. Um, and I, I couldn't understand it. I think maybe he was jealous or I, I, I'm not really sure why, but he was never, he was never nice to me. He was rude and, uh, and, and stuff like that. But you know, um, it didn't treat me good. And I, I was around some ministers uh, a little while back and I said, uh, Hey, I never heard about brother so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, whatever happened to him. Oh, they said, oh, he died. He's dead. And, you know, of course, he died in his 50s. I thought, wow. I mean, it just makes you realize the reality that, um, that these things are very serious. We need to honor the Lord, live right, and not lie, not cheat. Look, do everything with your money straight. Don't do ever, don't ever do crooked stuff with your money. Don't say you're going to do one thing and then you do another thing. Be straight with your finances. And so um, don't, don't play silly games. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, you know, the, the IRS, they're all corrupt. The government's corrupt. That, that's, not, that's not the point. The point is you better not be. We need to be straight. Praise God. If there are certain things we can't deal with or that, that are beyond our ability to fix, let, that's, let God deal with that. But we need to make sure that we're straight in all of our dealings. Praise God. And so, you know, whenever I would uh, have, you know, I had an offering one time, uh, the pastor, I'll give you an example, Pastor Larch Church, real Larch Church, uh, said this offering 
This entire offering is going to uh, Brother Stephen. What a wonderful ministry. He preached the Word, ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's take up a good offering for him. Thousands, thousands, thousands and thousands of dollars came in. And you know what he gave me? Gave me a couple hundred dollars. Just gave me a couple hundred dollars. I said, I said, is that all? Is that all the money that came in? Well, this is just what we decided to give you. And um, I made I made one phone call to uh, one phone call to a, a, a friend who's one of the world's <laughs> uh, most well-known prophets. I said, "Hey, I said, did you ever speak in that church?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "How'd they treat you on the offer?" He said, "They did okay." I said, "Well, they did me." Uh, real shady here. He made one phone call. Next thing I knew, boom, the whole offering got released to me. And it was thousands and thousands of dollars. Because that, that one prophet who was well-known was going to say, hey, uh, this is not right what you did to Stephen. And, um, and he was going to talk about it. So um, that pastor quickly straightened up. Now, there are pastors that are very integrous. They'd rather die than cheat you out of a penny. They, they would do anything. They're super integrous. And that's a beautiful thing. Praise God. But all I'm saying is the devil gave me plenty of opportunities to just quit and never come into the fullness of the word that God had for me. And that word, it, it tried me. It, it, it tried my, my patience. It tried my emotions, you know, because <laughs> that stuff can be upsetting. <laughs> well, I'll just sow it in faith as a love offering. Maybe they need it more than I do. No, they don't need it more than you do. They've got, they're doing well. They've got oil money. They got, they're, they're rich, you know, and it, the, the person that needed it was me. <laughs> so I was like, Lord, that's really tough. Um, and there have been other times I've just, I did sow it. But there's been other times where I was like, this is absolute theft. This is not right. Something needs to be said about it. And, uh, and you know, that's just a grace that God can give you, a strength that he can give you. But, oh, yeah, absolute testing. And sometimes you think, God, when's this going to end? When am I going to get out of this phase where I even have to, like, um, you know, kind of submit to certain uh, things I'd rather not even do. So all of that is growth and, uh, and growing and things like that, you know, because I don't deal with shady pastors anymore. If I detect goofiness or shadiness, I don't care how big their church is or how much that they would say, when I come here, well, because I don't, I don't go do meetings on a, you know, we have to have a set amount. I, I don't do stuff like that. No, I'll just come by faith and we'll receive an offering. And it is what it is. I, I don't do gimmicks or stuff like that. I don't sign 10 page contracts or because there are ministers out there. If you're going to invite them to come, they have contracts. One lady has a 22 page contract. And if you don't meet everything, every stipulation on that contract, they'll take you to court. They'll sue you. Uh, Pastor Stephen, that doesn't go on the church, does it? Um, yeah. In, in celebrity Christianity, that's just the way they, they run that. Um, but my friends, we need to live right, and we need to do things the right way. But sure, the enemy gave me lots of discouraging moments that just said, you know what, uh, you know, maybe you should do something else in life. I just said no. See, here's the thing in Scripture. Many are called, but few are chosen. And sometimes the Lord on purpose will allow it to be very difficult. Now, it's not always like that, but sometimes he will allow it to be very difficult to shake out and thin out those that are not in it all the way for the Lord. So just like Joseph, he was laid in irons, and you think about the abrasion, you think about the bruising, you think about the discomfort, his, his hands and his ankles, and you can't lay down and sleep the way you want to, your feet are in stocks, and it's just misery. 
Um, wasn't always like that. Eventually, they let him out of that, uh, let him walk around and run the prison, basically. But still, those were things where he could have just said, God, I think we need to go with a different plan. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> and you need to stick with the original plan. Uh, in some ways, it's not like God even really has a plan B. Plan B is something that um, would, it's not God's best for you. So I would encourage you just to stick with the original plan, the original directive, and go for it. Not quit, praise God. And then, you know, if you get something else, now you're, now you're not quite happy. You're not fully satisfied. There is a place in the Lord where, as it says in Psalm 91, that God will satisfy you. With long life will I satisfy you. In other words, not like you just live a long time. Oh, I lived a long time, but it, it wasn't a good time. But I lived a long time, and then you drop dead and die. No, you live the fullness of your life, all the years of your life, but it's, you're also satisfied. You're checking off the things that God wants you to accomplish, that God wants you to do. You're walking in the fullness of what he has called you to do, and it is deeply satisfying. Praise the Lord. So you need to stick with it. Also in these areas like finances, you know, uh, it is possible where the devil can see, the, uh, you know, he doesn't know everything because he's not a God. He's just a fallen rebel outlaw spirit. Yes, he used to be the, uh, the covering angel that led the worship in heaven and so forth. But no, he's, he's not divine or anything like that. He's still just a fallen angel. So he can detect and discern Sometimes because of the, the heavenly ore on your life, he can see certain direction that God has planned for your life, and he can try to thwart that. And he can see financial destiny, for instance. He can see, oh, God's going to use that person in a special way. God's going to bless that person in a special way. So I'm going to try to discourage them just as much as I can financially in order to abort that destiny. And... You really have to stand on the word, and you have to confess God's word, believe it, and just get, you know pray until you get back into the faith, build yourself up with the word of God, with the promises of God, and say, devil, get out of my finances. I decree prosperity over my life in the name of Jesus. I call every bill paid. I call every debt paid off to the glory of God, and it can be an all-out fight. Praise the Lord. There have been testimonies. I remember one that uh, an associate pastor of a large church that I used to attend, about 13,000 members, he said when he first came into Pentecost and understanding more of the, the things of the Spirit and Scripture began to open up, he began to see that tithing was for the people of the Lord. And it's a, it's a biblical principle. So he said that when he started tithing, because he had already heard he had heard lots of testimonies when people start tithing, you know, God starts doing miracles for them financially. He said, well, when I started tithing, things got worse for me and my wife. We're like, hey, this doesn't make any sense. Why do all of the other people give these great testimonies of getting, you know, good jobs or, you know, financial breakthroughs? And here we are tithing. We've, we've committed to do it. And it looks like things are going backwards. Things are, you know, we're having some shortages we've never had before. But he said, we knew it was the right thing to do, and we were settled on that word, and we weren't coming off of it, so this testing-type thing was going on. But he said, we refused to uh, 
not tithe. So they kept on tithing, and eventually, boom, they popped out through that exam. They passed the test, and, uh, and then just a blessing began to flow the way it is supposed to flow. Praise God. And, uh, you know, then the next thing I knew, he's traveling all over the world, ministering the gospel all over the world. I don't think that ever, ever would have happened for him if he would have pulled back and said, you know what, I tried tithing. It didn't work. I don't think he ever would have gone to the nations the way that he ended up going. You know, um, I've read a lot about the ministry, and I've listened to no telling how many sermons by Prophet Walter Butler. And he went, he went to be with the Lord, I think in 1974, he went home to be with the Lord. Had a very unusual ministry. Traveled to over 100 nations preaching on a very unusual subject, uh, which was about primarily his assignment was to teach on the manifest presence of God. Not just to teach on it, but to bring uh, demonstrations of that into the meetings when he ministered. So before he ever went international, he had a visitation from the Lord. And the Lord came to him and said, I want you to take this message. And, and the Lord taught him for four hours in a vision, taught him for four hours about the manifest presence of God. And, and then the Lord said at the conclusion of that vision, I want you to take this message and preach it wherever I send you to around the world. And right after that vision lifted, a few minutes passed, and you know, the Lord had left. And it was just right after that, only maybe, maybe like five or ten minutes after that, that another being came into the room. This one also had a regality. This being did, but it was not a holy regality. It was a, it was a presence of evil, unlike anything he said he had ever felt before. And Satan came into the room. And Satan said, you did not have a vision. You're losing your mind. And you did not receive a word from God. You made that up. And the battle was on, and it went on and on and on for like, it went into several hours of a battle. And right when it felt like, Butler felt like he was about to give in because the devil was pounding him with such a severe attack upon the word, the visitation that God had just given him, right when it felt like he was about to just give in, Satan would leave. And there would be like a short reprieve. It was like a boxing match. And, you know, you'd go sit down in the corner and rest for a few minutes. But Butler said, I knew he would be, he's coming back. So he only had like a couple of minutes. And then Satan would come back in. And each time he would come back after a different round, he would come back with more force, more aggressive. You did not have a vision. You made all of that up. Now you're starting to see things. And Butler said the room started spinning. I started seeing all kinds of weird, bizarre things the devil was causing to manifest. I saw triangles and squares and cities and buildings and all kinds of intermixing of things and all kinds of weird, bizarre stuff. And the room started going around in the circle, and the devil screamed, You're losing your mind. You've been talking in tongues too much. You, you are losing your mind. They're going to lock you up in an insane asylum. <laughs> and so this battle raged back and forth. Over what? The word, the word, the whole battle is over that word that God gave to that man. And Butler said, right when it seemed like he was about to go down, right when it seemed like the devil was just too much. And he, and Butler said on the, on, on the inside, I knew I was getting weaker. He said, I knew I was getting weak. He said, I was physically exhausted. And on the inside, I knew I was getting weaker and he was unrelenting in the attack. 
And right when Butler said, right when I thought I can't hold out any longer, he said, I fell on the bed. I collapsed over on the bed because he had been away in a hotel fasting and praying. And that's when he had this visitation. So he said, I collapsed on the bed. And when I did, he said, I heard the Holy Spirit start singing a song. And so he heard the Spirit singing this song. And he said, I joined in him with it in the song with him. And I started singing along with him. And singing the song made me laugh. And the devil said, what are you laughing at? And, uh, and Butler said, I didn't even pay any attention to him anymore. I just started singing the song and started worshiping the Lord. And the spirit just rushed in with such power. The, in, the enemy just instantly left. Satanly. Satan just instantly was driven out. And he was gone in defeat. And out of that experience, a ministry that before had been localized, then went what ended up becoming an international ministry where he ended up going in person to over 100 nations of the world, many of those nations going multiple times, teaching over and over and over to over 100 different nations. Praise God. Can you imagine if he would have, if he would have backed off that word? See, this test is on the word. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Here's a, here's a test tip. When you're taking your exam and you're in the middle of it and, uh, you know, you're working, you're, you're in it. I mean, you're, you're right in the middle of this, this test and you're like, God, I really need some help right now. There are some times when the Lord will pull back to see what you're going to do. And this happened with King Hezekiah, where the Lord pulled back to see how Hezekiah was going to deal with these envoys from Babylon. And the Lord pulled back, he pulled back to watch what was going to take place. And there's times when you're taking the test, you may say, Lord, I'm not quite sensing your presence the way I would like to. Lord, why do I maybe, uh, Lord, am I in a spiritual dry season? It's not so much that you're in a spiritual dry season. It's just that in a classroom, in a normal classroom, when you're taking your exam, there's no talking aloud. And this is not the time where you raise your hand and you ask the teacher a question. This is a time you focus on getting this test passed. <laughs> you're you're going to have to get out. You're going to have to pass this thing. So you're putting all of your energy on that. And this is why some of those that would be what church historians would call the mystic saints, those who had a very deep walk with God, sometimes they would go through a season where they would feel like God's presence departed. And then they're initially thinking, hey, Lord, did I, did I offend you? Did I sin? Is something wrong? What happened to your phenomenal presence? And they would label that the dark night of the soul. Well, I would like to label it as your test. And it can be times like that when God hasn't retreated because of sin. God hasn't retreated because he's busy over here doing something else. He doesn't have time. No, he's God. He can be everywhere all at the same time. There can be that sense of an absence of the presence because you're right in the middle of the test. And you're going to have to walk this out not by sensation of the presence, not by feeling. You're going to have to walk it out by raw faith. Faith in what? Faith that what God spoke to you 
will work even in darkness. When, there's, when you are walking by faith, not by sight, you are literally holding on to that word when it looks like, feels like, seems like there's absolutely no way this can happen. <laughs> but with God, all things are possible. And not only can it happen, it can, you could get the release overnight. You could, you could uh, hear from the exam master, hey, I've been watching you. You've passed. You're good to go. You, you've done everything the way that you should. And you know what? The next thing you know, you're out of that classroom. You're out of that dungeon. You're out of that prison. You're out of that drought. You're out of that, you know, quote, dry season. You're whatever you want, however you want to label it. It's over with. And there are some exams that God only, he only, he only needs you to take it one time. And if you pass that certain exam, you'll never pass it ever again You'll never take it ever again in your life. You'll never go around that mountain again. You're done forever with that. You've passed. You're on to some greater things. And you'll find out that any time an exam is completed and you've passed, there's a new door of opportunity that's open. What should I do, Pastor Stephen? Well, you've been promoted. Go through it. Give God glory. And uh, everything that you learned in the classroom, and everything that you made application of that you learned and everything that you made application of during your time of testing, that has solidified you and qualified you to now step into the new season. And you know what? You belong there. Praise God. Must be really weird for cheaters, for those in the Olympics that are drugged up, figuring out ways through designer drugs to pass the drug test without getting caught must feel really weird to stand there holding a medal knowing that you don't really belong there. Now, I know that many justify it and say, well, they're, they're cheating too. Maybe they are. That just means you, none of you belong there because you didn't earn it. You didn't do it the right way. So there's actually something deficient in you that disqualifies you from standing there. You don't belong there. Mm-mm. And it'll never mean the same thing to you. Even if they hand you the gold medal, it'll never mean the same thing to you if you'd have done it the right way and you'd have passed the test the right way. Clean, praise God. One day it's all coming out in the open. If you don't get that under the blood or repent or make things right, you know, or return something that you, you know, let's say you won a gold medal, but you were cheating, return it. Tell them you, you cheated. Tell them, you, tell them what you did. Tell them, yeah, hey, it was wrong. Get your heart right with God. Get your conscience right with God and with your fellow man. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. <laughs> Always do things the right way. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, we are living in society where there's a lot of lawlessness, which means a lot of cheating, a lot of fraud, and it looks like they're all getting ahead. No, going to hell is not getting ahead. Praise the Lord. Let that sink in. Going to hell is not getting ahead. What does it profit a man or a woman, the man referring to mankind, if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul in the process? Wow. Praise the Lord. Do things the right way, and God will lift you up. God will promote you. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to sell out. You don't have to degrade yourself. You don't have to... Uh, uh, dishonor yourself to do no do it the right way 
Praise God. Do it the right way. Praise the Lord. Pass the test. Walk by faith. And hold that word. That word will try you like fire. It'll burn stuff out of you that you didn't even know you had in you. <laughs> but that word, it came from God. And when it comes to pass, you'll be glad. You'll be glad that you prepared for that test. That you See, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm putting inside of you principles and faith so that when you have a test in life, and you will, that you know how to respond and you know how to get through it. Praise God. You know how to overcome. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody that's watching right now. There are some that are in fiery trials. The, tri the, the trial is the trying of their faith. But I thank you. I see their faith being developed. It, it is, in your eyes, O oh God, much more value than even pure gold. You, Father, you've got plenty of gold. You've got, you've got plenty of gold. But you want your people to have refined faith. So, Father, those that are holding to that promise, just like Joseph was holding to that promise that came to him through those dreams, I thank you that your people are holding on to the word and come hell or high water, they're not backing off that word. They're not quitting. They're not compromising. They're not relenting. And they're certainly, they're certainly not going to give up on that promise. We thank you, Father, that the test is almost over. The test is almost over. I'm actually seeing test papers in front of me right now in the spirit. I'm seeing somebody's got a 98. <laughs> That's A+. <plus. laughs> Woo, I don't know who you are, but you did pretty good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Get ready. Get ready. Praise the Lord. You're going to go. Many of you are going to go into new seasons, the new season that God has for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Father God. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Thank you, Father. That word's burning bright. That promised word is burning bright. We thank you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Stephen, who are those that don't make it? Well, you have people in the Bible like Esau who sold his birthright, who sold the promise that God had in line for him. He sold it for a stupid bowl of beans. Yeah, he wasn't a very spiritual person. And even later when he wanted it back, he wept and cried and you know, all, you know, all the theatrics, he still never got it. Still never got it. He was never right with God on the inside. Esau was never right with God on the inside. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But when you are ready to run with the Lord, amen, and you have these tests, you'll come through it. You'll come through it. And I see, I see some graduations coming very, very quickly. And I see that they're very honorable, honorary degrees. Praise God. Father, bless your people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm just seeing uh, different things in the spirit right now. I, I'm seeing somebody's feet that are in the shackles and their hands are in the, the fetters, so to speak. And But for you, in your phase, those that would be in that position, at least you know what's going on. 
you're being tried by that word. And the, en- the enemy is terrified by the word that you have received because he sees you're taking it serious. And he's trying, he's trying to let life events cause you to drop that word so that it never comes to pass. But now you know what's going on. Praise God. So if that's where you're at, just praise the Lord. You won't be there forever. That word will break any shackle. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God said his word is like a hammer. Mm-mm. It'll break anything that would try to hold you. Praise God. Now, if you're watching this program today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to. There's salvation only in him. There is forgiveness of sins only in him. There is the availability of a clean conscience only in him. He's the only one that can take your sins away. If you would like to receive his newness of life to come rushing into you right now, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the savior of the world. I believe you died on the cross to redeem me from my sins and my sin nature. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day and that you are seated now in heaven at the right hand of God. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash my sin away. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, I give my heart to you. I turn from all sin and I give my life to you. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. I fully commit to follow you today, right now. In your name I pray, thank you for saving me. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. And the Lord Jesus has heard that prayer. And you now belong to him. You're safe in his arms. Live for him. And the Lord is working mightily in your life. Praise the Lord. Now, my friends, let's celebrate the word of God together. Let us proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, and he's coming soon. Let's take some unleavened bread. I use these little wafers. If you have one of these, that's great. If not, you can grab a saltine cracker or something like that. Praise the Lord. And some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. And we set it apart as holy. We consecrate it through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Christ. We thank you for his body. That as we receive his flesh, we hold to the promise. We hold to the promise. And Father, we thank you that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And so we see that promise. We see that joy. So, Father, we keep on pushing. We keep on believing. Keep on standing, confessing, and praising your great name. And, Father, we receive the flesh of Jesus now. We thank you that the word shall come to pass. Let's receive in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no testing of your faith in heaven. Once you get in heaven, there's no devil. There's no demons. 
there's no sin, and there's there's you know, of course you won't have a flesh body when when you get there. So there's no you know um, there's there's no flesh nature trying to bug you, uh, and even later when we get our resurrected glorified bodies, that's a that's a re- fully redeemed body. So in heaven, there's no there's no hindrance, but here on earth. You have to use your faith to plow through what David called the valley of the shadow of death. That's where we live. And all of this unbelief and all of this negativity and all of this junk, all of this doubt. So the Lord is looking for faith in you. And remember, not just general faith, specific faith in what he promised you. That's where he's looking for your faith to be strong. Praise God. Don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. You're about to see a miracle. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. As we drink it, as we receive it, we thank you for covenant. We thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you for a home in heaven with you. We thank you for eternal life with you and that we will live with you forever in heaven. Father, we ask that if we have committed any sins, you would wash them away. We ask that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. We love you. We love you. Somebody, you're getting saved right now. You heard salvation call earlier. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit's melting your heart. And uh, just ask Jesus to come into your heart right now. He'll save you right now. Father, we give you praise. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for the mighty blood of Jesus in his name. Amen. Let's receive. Joseph didn't stay in prison forever. Don't focus on the prison. Focus on the word because you're coming out. You're coming out into the fullness of your destiny. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you back next time.